Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. The graphics are so real on this video game console I bought with the savings from switching to Progressive 10 years ago. I can't tell what's real and what's the game, which I think is what people want. You know, in the future, which it is currently. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of Sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the Sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast, podcast update for you. Uh, we've not done one of these for a couple of weeks. I've managed to get Dan to join me. We've been chatting away for a couple of minutes before we hit the record button. So I think Dan's calmed down from the laughing now that he can say hi. Hi Dan. I'm I'm a little bit calm. I, I have the giggles a little bit. That, that was, yeah. uh, it, it's a shame we don't capture that stuff so people can listen to it. I think they'd enjoy it, but I it's know. maybe not for public consumption. <laughs> Yeah, people always ask, like, oh, you should like hearing us talk, which is great. And we do really appreciate that. And this is kind of what these update pods are, to be honest, like us talking through the news and some bits and pieces and what's going on. Um, but yeah, some of the conversation is kind of, do you know what? It still is UFO, UAP related and stuff. But yeah, some of it's uh, 18 plus section. <laughs> um so yeah but yeah you like the serious objective chat and that's what that's what we're trying to stick to so listen i put out some updates earlier on the patreon for anyone who saw that and on the discord chat which you can sign up to if you're part of the patreon if you are signed up to apple podcast subscriptions and i just have to clarify it's different between signing up to apple podcasts and paying the the small amount i think it's a couple of dollars or a couple of pounds to get the ad free and early access content just get in touch with me if you are signed up to Apple and I can give you the Discord link as well. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, but a couple of people have asked to do that. The Discord community is pretty cool. It's grown quite quickly and it's just another place for people to chat. So there's some some good conversation in there. But they, the point being... Can I just say one of the things yeah, that I yeah. really like about Discord is that you, when you hashtag something, it creates kind of a separate conversation in the sidebar. So if, say, someone mentions quantum mechanics and you're only interested in that conversation and you want to pick up instead of searching through, you can just hit that hashtag in the sidebar. It's really cool. I never knew that. <laughs> Genuinely. You know and that. you can set them to expire as well. So, you know, we could have had one for the UAPTF report and had it expire on the day that that was published. So it's quite cool the way it automates. I, I hope Twitter nice. has something like that. And the more you know. 
So yeah, it's another good place to chat. So yeah, it's just a benefit of being signed up to the Patreon or the Apple Podcast Premium subscription. So thank you very much, folks. And just remember, um, I know I'd mention these now and again, but we got another one-star review a few days ago because someone has gone on to click on the Avi Loeb interview um, when it was available on the Premium service a few days early and complained that it was hidden behind a paywall. It was literally out the half an hour after it was recorded and then it was released early still for the uh, the free feed so again folks just it's we're not hiding content behind paywalls like that nothing that would be like important the way we would see it it just comes out a couple of days early for people so i do sit up till all hours of the morning as you've as you've seen uh, editing this stuff and getting out for people so it's just uh just have a check or get in touch with us if you think something's missing or not the other should be because that's all it was so um, a few updates if you, you haven't seen those. Ross Coulthard has asked me to delay um, for four or five weeks. Just uh, He is doing a lot of interviews just now. And to be fair, quite a lot of you have got in touch anyway to say the interviews are all starting to sound quite similar. He's done about 50, I think, in the last couple of weeks, which is just perfectly natural. We, we do have some other stuff to ask him and we always try and mix up the questions anyway. But he has assured me that if we leave it four or five weeks, not only will it be a bit fresher, but there will be some new information for him to discuss as well. So I'm more than happy to delay that by a few weeks. I've still got all the listener questions sent in. Um, if people want to send me over more questions, I would hang off a couple of weeks till we see what develops further. And also the book is still to be released properly in the UK in paper format and the US as well. I believe it was put back. So Ross was kind of hoping to delay it just a little bit, given he's done loads of interviews. And right now it's pretty much available on Kindle only. So that's that's totally fine. And there'll be some more stuff dropping by then as well. Dan, you've um have you read the whole book yet or not yet? I, I would say I'm about a quarter into it. Um, but I was surprised when I opened it how you, you know it's not a long book, it's just packed with a lot of information. Um, but the amount of interviews that I've heard Ross do whenever I'm reading the book. I kind of get those accents and stuff that he does in my head. And it's actually, it's a really enjoyable read. You know, the tone is good. Uh, the Ross has a, a playfulness that kind of, he clearly understands the gravity of the situation, yeah. but you know, like most things in life, it's easily digestible. If you, if you say something heavy, then, then make a joke. Yeah. I can't read books on Kindle. I just, I just can't do it. So uh, I have the audible book and uh, we'll be kind of plowing my way through that. I'll be buying the physical copy when it's available as well. So, Which um, is I'll read by Ross, is that right? The Audible? Yes, it is, which, is, really uh, cool. which is always nice when it's yeah. read by the author. Um, yeah, for sure. a very cool voice as well. You hear the passion come through in it, which is, which yeah. is nice. Uh, and he's not got a Scottish accent, so you can understand him. Um, the next one when, I am... Uh, when he comes on, can you ask him to do a Scottish accent? I want, I want to hear what his, uh, his version is. Can you do a Scottish accent? No, I'm not even going to try. The yeah, the only accent yeah. I can do is uh, is Welshy from Futurama. Go on. You're right, Bert. How's it going? Uh, poor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the next update is that uh, I'm working on a special listener questions episode. Different to the call-in, this is a guest that we have had on before, and I'm hoping and I'll confirm ASAP that they're going to come on and it will just be listener questions for this guest and it's someone that people will want to be asking their questions to. So I'll just leave that one hanging there. But as soon as I've got an update, I will let you know, folks. Other guests are in the pipeline. I'm just waiting on confirming some dates with people as well. So I won't announce them just yet. Listener call-in slots are going to open up later on today. 
this is Wednesday, the fourth of August. If you're if you're listening to this on the day or in the future, if you're in the future, hi, what's it like? Uh, listener call-in slots will open up, and I'll send the links out to anyone who wants to book a slot. Some people have emailed already. You email UFO UAPAM at gmail.com. If you're looking to get involved, I'll be recording listener call-in between Thursday the 5th and Sunday the 8th of August, it should be. So yeah, um, there'll be a few different times available for people who are in Australia, in the States, Canada, Europe, all, all over. So please get in touch with me if you're looking to get involved. Some of the subjects we're looking to discuss are abductions that's been something that's going on in the discord chat and we've been having a a kind of good conversation around those you know why don't they seem to still happen but there's been a few theories on that and virtual conferences is in the the news just now so that's one we'll be discussing and dan and i will be discussing in a few minutes on this podcast um, and some other subjects uh, of course if you want to discuss something totally unrelated feel free to do that as well for the listener call in um on that, after the controversy of the last kind of day or so uh, of the virtual conference being announced um, with Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, uh, and a few other very high-profile guests, there was a bit of a kickoff about the $249 price tag. Of course, there are offers straight away for $100 off of that. Um, and again, it's everyone's own entitlement, whether they want to go or, or don't want to go, that's that's fine. But there's been a lot of conversation around it. I have the organizer and the PR guy both on the podcast this Friday, and I'm going to be discussing with them. It's not an advertisement for the, for the event. I've made that clear to them. I just wanted to give them the opportunity to come on and talk about the event and why it costs what it costs. Maybe people will understand a bit more why they're charging what they're charging for it but on the other side of things you know i've got some difficult questions for them that i i hope they can answer as well so that will be happening i, I want to see a full cost breakdown I'm yeah, kidding. Full, <laughs> yeah full invoice um i did reach out to them uh as it was mentioned online you know we could get Joe Margia, UFO Joe, to go on and transcribe for the event. And obviously people who were offering to pay for it and all that kind of stuff. But to be fair, I reached out to the organizers and I asked if they would provide Joe Margia with a free pass for the four days if he would transcribe for people who aren't going to have the funds or are not, are not willing to pay for the ticket. So they're not going to lose out because it's people that wouldn't go anyway. But um, it looks like they're up for letting Joe attend for free. And Joe will do the hard graft and transcribe all the highlights of those those four days with those guests, which I think is good of them. You've got to be fair. And at least we're going to see officially from the each day the kind of highlights of those days and any important conversation or points that are brought up. So we're just waiting on the final details of that. But I just thought I would let you know that's something I thought people would benefit from. Uh, I, I'm not looking for a pass for myself or for Dan or or anything like that. I just wanted people to benefit. And do you know what? If something is said that's going to be of importance, at least we've got someone there officially, like Joe, who wants to do that kind of work anyway, to transcribe for us. So that was that was pretty nice of them. Uh, Dan, we've won an award, and this is the first time we've both recorded together since that happened. So again, thanks everyone for voting for Dan and I in the podcast in the Quite the Thing Media uh, awards 2021 for news society and culture we blew the competition out of the water dan we got a substantial amount of votes i don't know the number but i was just told by the guys jack and colin that it was a, a landslide on our part and that's that's all down to the listeners who voted so i thought that's you'd want to cool. say thanks as well yeah thank thank you big thank you to the listeners i i remember when we did our first one and 
you know, I, I kind of hang to anxiety thinking, does even one person want to listen to us talking? And turns out uh, a few people do. So thank you very, very much. It feels weird, but I appreciate it. Yeah, at least three people listening to you talking. At least crazy. Three, yeah, it looks like it. And that's two of us are two of those people. So, <laughs> But thank you, everyone. And on that, you know, we always like to keep moving forward and not rest on our laurels. You are listening to this now because you enjoy what we do. Uh, we are up for another award with some esteemed company uh, for Paranormality Radio. I'll put the link in the description, but if you go on there, it's a fan vote. We are up for Best Alien Slash UFO Podcast. So thank you in advance if you've voted already. If not, please take a couple of seconds to click on the link in the description. Dan and I will sit in silence for the next three minutes while you do that. I'm joking, we won't do that, but you could pause it and you know pause here yeah <laughs> pause here and uh, go and vote for us then come back so thank you very much for that so listen into the update there's a uh, quite a bit of news to talk about dan after we had a kind of few weeks of people fighting over not very much just because there wasn't a whole lot of news i think there was quite a lot if you you didn't even have to dive particularly deep i don't think the the first one though will we're fresh on the subject of this virtual conference now contact in the desert has probably been the the biggest most recent one and again there was uh we we done some some work for contact in the desert uh some preview shows to give people a little bit of a taste i done uh some preview interviews for the uh, event itself um for free for people that again couldn't afford or to pay the the money i know that's something i couldn't have have paid for so it was good to give some free content for people as well um, however, the another event got announced in the last day or so with uh, Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, Richard Dolan, Linda Moulton Howe and other names. So pretty prominent names, um, virtual only, again, because of COVID and everything else, but a price tag of $249. Dan, people didn't like the, the price tag being slapped on of $249 for that. What were your thoughts when you saw the announcement? And your thoughts in general on virtual conferences? Well, the so I have to say the observation deck, Richard Dolan's event um, a little while back, where he had Lou come on and talk. That was a paid event, <clears throat> um, and I was lucky enough they they offered to host my art in the gallery there, um, and I was able to go and watch those, which was really cool. And it was a really cool space. But what I liked about it was being able to talk to other people. Um, and there was quite a cool moment where all of us was down the front and it, 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 there were like 50 people there that, you know, from the community and everyone's got their mics open and we were all just chatting and laughing and joking. It was really cool. Um, I expect that's what people enjoy about going to conferences is meeting, you know, like-minded people. So, so for that reason, it's really cool. Um, but 249 is steep, man. And when when i see you know i know there's an offer that it's 149 i just i always think well just make it 149 then um and maybe even have like a day pass so if you're only interested say for example in going to see lou or chris speak you can just buy a pass for those days and it helps people kind of it just helps to have options and the more options and the more accessibility to the event there is the the less people are going to have a problem with charging money with it i think yeah so let's break that down. $249 is £178 currently with the exchange rate. So let's call it one seven five. Um again you can work that out in your own your own kind of currencies. It's over four days. Um you're looking at what, fifty to seventy five pounds or dollars a day um for that. Now you're right, there's the coupon code 
that people can use to get that off, which they've, they've came out with straight away. Um, whether that was intended or not, or just because of any perceived backlash, I don't know. But that takes it down to to like $149, which is like hundred, just over £100. £25 a day. Do you know what? Honestly, just because of the nature of these events, personally, I, I don't have an interest in a virtual conference for that. Um, I, I wouldn't pay that. And do you know what? There's a lot of virtual conferences that have been on that are free that I still I, I don't watch. And I've seen other people make that comment as well. And just to be honest, you know, I I, I, I don't have that interest. Um, I may watch the odd bit or the odd highlight, but I'm usually quite happy seeing other people's conversation about it or people that do go and watch these events and kind of following up in that sense. If there's something for the podcast, then I'll, I'll go and watch what I have to. Um, but yeah, for me, I I completely understand people's reaction. I know with these things, there's always an element of it's money and people are money making and stuff. So I'll be interested to speak to the the guys organising it to find out a little bit about the the breakdown of those costs. And I've actually reached out to contact in the desert as well if they can provide me with any statistics or you know analytics on the event, as in the number of tickets they sold or a rough number compared to what they sell for those face-to-face events. And I think that's the big thing that's missing or the the best thing about these events when they are on normally, you know, pre-COVID, is the meeting up people, The as people have said on Twitter, the hangabout in the lobbies, the meeting new people, meeting faces you've spoken to online for years and getting to have that kind of human interaction and even being able to look around and see, oh, there's there's Chris Mellon sitting at a desk over there signing his T-shirts, or there's there's Lou Elizondo over there signing a poster and a book, and there's Rich Dolan, you know. So that's all gone with this. And I get that people like us have this podcast. You've got a host. Now, there's a huge number of shows, thanks for choosing to listen to us, that, that you can pick from out there that are audio or video-based. And what's the difference between a virtual conference and me sticking on someone's podcast and a playlist for a few episodes because a lot of us going long enough have have a lot of these people on as guests don't we yeah yeah exactly so you 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 kind of get an opportunity to talk to these people on your terms anyway um but that's exactly why i feel like you know a day pass or say for example a pass per name you know you could just kind of say i want to see loose conversation and you could pay i don't know five ten dollars to just do that bit i I just wonder if something like that would help help the organizers make enough funds to to run it smoothly um just because you're giving more people you know a, a lower bar of access did you see they had come out and mentioned a lot of people's point was it's virtual so there's no overheads but did you see they did come out and say the actual virtual space had a a price tag on it yeah and I, I I think it's always silly to kind of say there's no overheads. Of course, there's different overheads. You know, if you compare buying a CD to buying or to streaming something, yeah, there are a lot less overheads, but there's still server space and so on and so forth and electricity running that. And you, you know, there there are always overheads to these events. So I've, I've not really been behind that kind of comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so on, on the poll, we had over 800 votes, nearly 850, and. Uh, Almost half, 47.3% of people, said they would pay nothing for one of these events they, they wouldn't want to pay. Um, the next bracket was $1 to $50. Around 38.7% of people um, said they would pay around that for it, for a virtual event. 
with good names. Um, that's not just this event, folks, either. I'm, I'm looking at in general at the virtual conference world because we've had a few uh, and hopefully they're going to be falling by the wayside in the sense that we can get back to meeting each other again and seeing these people in person. But um, 9.7% for 50 to $100 and then $100 plus was 4.3%. So it really does drop down to that minimal number of people who are, are looking to spend that kind of money. Now, again, it's with these sorts of events, is it a case of, you know, we would rather get a few people spending a higher amount than a bigger number spending a much lower amount, but we don't make the same money? That's that's probably a, a fair argument and one for the marketing people out there to, to talk about. But yeah, for me, it's just personally, and it's always personal this, you know, I, I want any events like these to, to do well. And I've got no issues with any of the people that do them making some money um, and they're, they're giving up their time. The, the big, big thing for me with these events, and it's the same with, and I've talked about this and been honest, Skinwalker Ranch, the show, Unidentified, the show. Um, let, let's even say like the Phenomenon movie documentary, anything like that, let's talk about the highest level or highest quality stuff, in my opinion, you're not going to get huge revelations on something that's pre-recorded or behind a paywall like that. Because it's what you're getting is opinion, maybe some well-thought-out opinion. You might get some some fresh stories. I'm thinking here of, like, you know, Lou Elizondo particularly, might share, like, a new case or something he'd heard or, or can now talk about. But you're, you're not going to get, and again, just from a, a character point of view, I don't believe people like Lou or Chris Mellon or, or, or anyone else for that matter with any models would hold back information to share when the, when there was a charge for it. That's not what they're in it for. So really, I think you're, you're paying for the people, some speculation, some, some detailed analysis and some follow-up. I don't think you're ever paying for that big blowout and people probably just have to realise that, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. You, you know, I've, I've loved all of Lou's interviews, but if you were a casual person who wanted information, there's no real reason for you to go beyond, you know, those, the content you just mentioned and things like that Washington Post interview um, and things like that. You know, he, he chooses all the right platforms to put that information out for free. Yeah, if I if I had the cash, if money really was no object, then absolutely, I I would have no issue laying down two hundred forty nine dollars for for that. But I I personally think there are places I I would spend that money elsewhere. For me, virtual conference, those names, genuinely, and this is just me off the top of my head. If it was twenty dollars, I would pay. Um, particularly because Chris Mellon doesn't do too many things like this. Um, Lou's put himself out there very graciously uh, and again I know I'm talking about Lou and Chris mainly here but they're the two biggest names uh, given what they've done in their background um, Lou's put himself out there for everyone you know he's he's very kind and has been to us for his time and to a lot of other podcasts and YouTube platforms and you know big or small he, he's been there to answer a, a numerous amount of questions and still does that online as well Chris Mellon's a bit more enigmatic but still for me if you're looking at something virtual twenty dollars I'd I would part with to hear Chris Malin talk at length and it's not a couple of minutes on the news. Um you know face to face in person if Chris Malin came to the UK I 
potentially then would be happy to spend a couple of hundred pounds or dollars depending on the circumstance and that you know that if it was an evening with chris mellon i i would understand that more like a date i mean that's, that's <laughs> more money yeah that's, i wonder <laughs> if he likes red or white wine yeah I, I, <laughs> I do agree though you, you know something like chris coming to the uk and talking and having the chance to do your own follow-up with a q a at the end i i understand the value in something like that yeah but again that's everyone's preference same with contacting a desert i i wouldn't have parted with the money they were looking for but if you're listening to this and you did and you do then that's that's excellent because you see the value in that there's i paid for a football like a soccer season ticket last year that i knew i wouldn't be able to use and that was in over 500 pounds but that's just how much they cost for a full season of games what's uh what's football yeah lol <laughs> um but it's so i get people would think that's crazy even just to pay that anyway but i i paid for that knowing i wasn't going to get to go to any games but i'm supporting my team and my club and so i, I can totally appreciate other people who who spend their money on tom DeLong guitars you know all that kind of stuff then it's yeah, yeah, we've all got our vices that, that's kind of what i was getting at with that football comment you know i i don't i'm not into football but i totally understand that that's your thing and that's that's where you like to spend your money we we all have our own things right yeah totally so listen whatever you fall down on the virtual conference argument i'll have the the gents on on friday and we'll put some questions to them if you have any questions for them please dm me or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, however you can, or ideally email ufouapam at gmail.com. And I'll put those questions to Mark and Tyler. Uh, next up, um, a little follow-up. Dan, uh, Travis Walton on Jimmy Church. We talked about this a few weeks ago where uh, mm, it doesn't seem to go away, but from what it sounded like, Travis Walton was very defensive on people coming out and claiming the story was fake. There wasn't a whole lot to really add to the story. Is this one that just needs put to bed now between Mike and Travis and, and those people that it's it's been over money, it's been public, and people just have to move on from it? Yeah. For, for me, you, you know when you're talking to someone and you're very passionate about it, but you just see their eyes glaze over? Like, my eyes have glazed over with, with the conversations between you know travis and mike and the go-betweens and the back and forth now it's it's just he said she said you know it doesn't it doesn't change anything if you believe travis then it's not gonna convince you otherwise if you don't believe travis it's not gonna convince you otherwise so it's just noise as far as i'm concerned yeah and, and do you know what at least jimmy church managed to get travis walton on um he's he doesn't do a whole load of interviews like that travis walton to be fair I've reached out as well, and it's I've not been able to to contact him. But the story's been told. I, I think it's one of those things where money's came into it. It's it's probably due another movie or TV show by the looks of it. That's what's going to be happening, and we'll just move on from there. It is what it is, folks. Next up, um, a little bit of analysis. Um, our post game from us, Dan. We interviewed Avi Loeb uh, we did. last week. That was a whole lot of fun. Um, Dan joined me for that interview, which is always nice, and. I think Avi, people have appreciated, opened up a little bit more on that one. We've done our best, as we always do. Didn't name. Yes, he got quite riled up over I, I a few wanna, things. I want a t-shirt with Avi on it that just says, we are the scientists. <laughs> Ripping open his shirt, like Groundskeeper <laughs> Willie style from The Simpsons. Um, but no, Avi, it was nice to hear because, like I say, we mentioned it with Ross Coulthard and, and people like Avi who do numerous interviews in a short space of time, they all start to get repetitive. So 
it's it's the host's job i always feel to try and keep it fresh and ask something a different a bit different find a different angle and, and go for that and i think we managed to achieve that with avi what were your thoughts now dan um after that interview from from what avi said you have a time to digest it on the the galileo project itself yeah i i feel like we hit that mark and got some new things from him um including you know that that passion um but there were a few things that i i would have loved to have followed up on um i brought up roger penrose during the conversation now roger penrose yeah. and stuart hammerov have some very interesting i think they call orc or um theories about consciousness being like the base of the universe and everything kind of grows from there and obviously that kind of comes into our subject a bit and i really wanted to ask avi about that but it's such a big conversation that we really didn't have time to kind of get into it it would have been a one-word answer that didn't do it justice but i did like that you know we we figured out that he knows the work of roger penrose so he's going to be aware of that consciousness stuff so you know we've put the ball on the tee someone else asked the question now we we know that he can answer yeah that was and people hear the show like we had a limited amount of time with avi and i put in the work beforehand and, and Dan does with the questions and the format and the layout of what I'm potentially going to be asking and there was a few questions on consciousness within there and just the way the conversation was going you, you kind of I get a feel for it as to what I can and can't do in the time I had left and that was that was an area I just had to take out this time but um, we're in contact with Avi and he will be back on the podcast when the time's right as well so I um, appreciated his time and, and looking forward to what the Galileo project um, are going to achieve in the short term because I would like to think well they've got this momentum and this initial funding we start to see some some progress quickly from them as well I would hate to think we're sitting and and he, he didn't say this he, he said quite the opposite but I would hate to be here in six months time that we've not heard anything you know, he talked about literally having the the telescopes and the checkout online. Yeah, and it's a case of yep. Yeah, let's let's get those bought. Let's get them on Amazon Prime, and uh, let let's get them set up. And that's what I hope we start to see as soon as possible, just to see that there's some wheels in motion. Yeah, absolutely. And and once he goes, someone else is going to go right. And let's be clear as well: Galileo isn't necessarily the first of these things. It's just the biggest so far, and it has a really nice amount of funding. So I, I think we're going to see some great results from it. Um, and if it gets to a point where Avi is able to go, hey, look, I took a picture of a Tic Tac, and we can clear up, you know, how many legs it had and whether there were any seams and you know stuff like that. At that point. I, I honestly think the the scientists would pour in to to study this because it's it's one of these things that's what we call a black swan event, right? Like it, it's a small thing with huge implications. But the thing about black swan events is that the meaning kind of changed over time. So originally it was used as a kind of sarcastic phrase because black swans weren't thought to exist. And then when they found out, actually they do kind of exist and they're quite common in certain parts of the world it kind of changed its meaning to something that's mysterious, but it's just a fact of the universe that we're unaware of. So, and it'll have profound implications if, you know, we're being visited or if there's plasma life or, you know, wh whatever it is. Dan, would you rather see more Galileo project type formations or would you rather see more funding for the Galileo project itself? That's a trick question. Can I choose both? Well, no, because you know what I'm thinking? Like, you look just now, we've got Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson, okay? They've got these various different companies. that They're putting a lot of money into stuff, right? But they're all trying to achieve the same kind of thing. But do you think that competition is what drives each of them to kind of push themselves a bit further? 
individually, yes, but when you're looking at what's this going to achieve for like, the wider, you know, human race and species and i suppose take out the fact they are trying to make money for themselves and make names for themselves but can you imagine the three of them got together around a table and went do you know what let's pull our resources here let's let's see how far we can get how quickly as as much as i want that to happen in a way there's kind of a dark path that comes from those three people getting around the table you know hey they'll they'll figure out how to bust unions they'll figure out how to own companies and it'll just go downhill from there and we'll be in the future yeah they know all that anyway but you know what i mean though like just why not just you've all you're all doing things right surely you could do a whole lot but again that's just a that's blue sky thinking because that that goes for anything I, i get you um there's there's an importance to have separate projects, I think, because it gives you discrete data sets. But like most science, you kind of need a central secure server to feed everything into so you can kind of see patterns. So, for example, you know, we know Skinwalker is being studied. You could compare that data to the data off the coast of Catalina, maybe, or in other areas of the world, you know, maybe where the Havana syndrome stuff is happening or the Hestalan lights or the Longendale lights and the main min lights, I guess, just to touch on something that Ross brings up. Um, but all of those kind of separate projects should pull together so that we can kind of start to see the patterns and things like that in them. So I think we'll get exactly what you're hoping for, but it'll just start with these few kind of, you know, well-funded efforts. And then, and then once they figure out, because they kind of have to build the sensors to see these things, right? You know, mm-hmm. we've been picking them up on radar, we've been picking them up on FLIR, but it's clearly not, it's equipment that's sensitive enough to see them, but it's not built to track those things. It's built to track friendlies, it's built to track, you know, adversary attack and stuff like that. So Project Galileo may be being really well funded. Within two years, they might build a bit of kit that can reliably identify these things. And then suddenly all these other projects are going to start you know, rolling that kit out and being a lot more productive and getting a lot more data. It kind of happens with um, with telescope projects as well. You know, the Hubble telescope is amazing, but the telescopes, the cheaper telescopes we're building now, there are a fraction of the cost of that initial Hubble that couldn't exist without Hubble are much, 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 much better than Hubble. So it, it, you it would be nice if we could start with a lot of well-funded projects, but it takes that first one to get that ball rolling, I think. Do, uh, do you know what? This is born from my frustration of, for example, watching the old Power Rangers with my little boy over the last year or two, and how every episode's exactly the same, where they fight the bad guy individually, but then they realise when they put all the Zords together to make the Megazord, they can defeat him really, really. And it's just like, why, why even bother to fight him individually? Just join together straight away put the five machines six machines and then and you can beat them with like one one yeah. move that's it use use the sword straight away like pacific yeah. rim right like just straight, use the sword yeah. <laughs> yeah straight to the straight to the big sword but yeah that's that's it um so yeah look looking forward to more from the galileo project and hopefully we hear from that quickly and soon um chris mellon's made a few comments online recently it's been nice to see his social media presence uh keeping up um one one that caught my eye was uh, the new york times had put out a piece about to reach out or not to reach out to the stars that is the extraterrestrial question chris mellon's comment on, on twitter was this on july 22nd evolution is probably as universal and fundamental to biology as gravity is to physics and evolutionary history shows that interspecies symbiosis is the exception and does not develop instantly. 
we need to be careful about what we broadcast to the stars. What do you take away from that, Dan? Do you start to think threat narrative? A little bit. It's kind of... Have you ever heard of a book called The Three-Body Problem? I have now. So it's it's basically this really cool kind of space opera written uh, by a Chinese author. Um, And it's really interesting because it begins essentially with with another race picking up our signal and starting to travel towards us. And then they kind of, they'll send a probe that's a bit faster than them um, and it'll kind of disrupt our particle accelerators so we don't make certain discoveries and things like that. And then when they get here, it'll be easier to invade. So it, it kind of made me think of that. Um, but also, once again, I'm going to bring up contact. You know, we we are essentially advertising ourselves all the time. Once, uh, I think it was the, the Nuremberg, not Nuremberg, um, the Berlin... Uh, I'm going to say festival, but it was Hitler basically was one of the most powerful first broadcasts. So if another species was pointing kind of a telescope at the sky and we're like, oh, let's see what these guys are about. And they pointed at Earth. The first thing they would see is. Oh, was it the Nuremberg rally? The rally. That's it. I couldn't think of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly the one. Um, So that would be the first thing they would see. So they might judge us based on that, you know, and so we should be a bit more mindful about what we're putting out. Um, obviously things are kind of, you know, we use cables and things like that for TV and, but we still have very, very powerful radios, uh, more powerful than back then. Um, putting out certain things from certain parts of the world, kind of saying, Hey, we're here. Um, and it's probably a good idea to grapple with the question, you know, what are we going to do if someone comes and says, hello, it's a good idea to figure out the answers to that before that happens. (laughs) Well, uh, Obviously, you'd put me on to the new What of the Worlds remake. It's not new. It's a couple of years old now. Um, season oh, two just started yeah. on Disney+. Plus, and you, you've been telling me about that for a while to, to watch it and how it's from different countries and different people's perspectives of a pretty realistic, for the most part, you know, aliens pick up our signal and they come here. And like you say, it's a, a science laboratory, as far as I've watched so far, has been sending out the signal and these these other beings have picked up on the signal and come here and they launch a pretty devastating attack on the planet don't they straight off the bat killing most people yeah they do that that first episode was for me you know when people think of destructive alien races we always go to like independence day and stuff like that but that missiles and explosions and stuff and that's not what happens whereas in in this remake of war of the worlds it's very like it's understated and it happens kind of almost while we're all asleep and kind of wrapped up yeah. in other things. And it happens very quickly. You know, it goes from quite a civilized world to, oh crap, suddenly we don't have any electricity and where am I going to buy bread to eat in the morning or something? You know, it, it's a really, really stark difference. Um, yeah. Do you know what? And and on that series itself, just as a sidebar, it's really depressing. I, I get, is. you know, it's post-apocalyptic, but every single episode, a number of children seem to die like i'm amazed and then i've just finished the one and i'll just no spoilers but in the hospital dan with the the babies yeah and they have to decide whether they stay or whether they leave the newborn babies and yeah i was like as a parent it's it's some heavy stuff but i've kind of plodded my way through it because it's keeping me coming back to to watch more but it's it's quite a hyper realistic idea of we send out these signals someone you don't know who's going to pick it up and and how they're going to react. So like you say, if that's what Chris Mellon's kind of getting at there, 
do you think we have the right people looking at that those sorts of scenarios or is that still very much country by country is that something the un's got together with and, and discussed well we'd be looking at stuff like SETI. We'd be looking at stuff like the new telescopes being built, looking at the stars, the telescope on the moon that China wants to build. Um, those are going to be the first places that any signal like that is picked up. Um, so unfortunately, we probably have Seth Shostak on the front lines, kind of, you know, deciding if something is a wow signal or not. Who Who is now part of the Galileo project, which is yeah. quite divisive. But it's, it's nice to see him come around, right, to open-mindedness. I, I almost think he was waiting for a number of people to put their hands up first before he went, you know what, I am actually interested in the answer to this, and I don't However, know truly. I'll play devil's advocate. I hope it's that, and I'm all for people coming round. Okay, I, I won't be spiteful or hold a grudge as, as much as I've been negative or, or critical of, of Seth Shostak in the past, and still am. But is it a case of $1.75 million being attached to a project makes a difference Money to someone talks. like him? We, we've always said this, you know, whether it's a government program, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is. The, the economy and everything follows money in this world, whether you like it or not, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, probably that was like, a, you know, a moth to a flame. But at least he's on the right path, I would say. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see his social media presence keeping up. And I am genuinely going back to the virtual conference, interested in in hearing or reading potentially what what Chris Mellon has to say as part of that. Um, he's a very mysterious character. Um, he is, and he spent a lot of time away from the limelight, right? He has, yep. Um, on that, uh, one of the last things I want to talk about is uh, Chad Underwood on, on Jeremy Corbell. It was high noon last week at one point, and uh, Jeremy Corbell released an interview with chad underwood uh, and f- there's been some fallout as well from that as well where do you want to go through this a little bit dan because i know i was talking to you before yeah, about it sure. and so what's been kind of happening there's a document referred to as the executive summary if you if you search for like gimbal or FLIR or something uh sorry tic tac and nimitz with ttsa one of the pages it'll take you to uh they they had a document that was referred to as an official document that was put together you know, not not too long after uh, the encounter. Um, and this document has been passed around for a number of years, and a number of people in the community swear by it as gospel. We've known for a while that the document was not necessarily exact. It was just one piece of, you, you know, our kind of, uh, our evidence lineup, we'll say. You know, if we're in court, we had it on the table, but it wasn't our, our focus. Um and it turns out from this Underwood interview that the document, that the comments contained in the document from Underwood himself are comments that he says he didn't make, which kind of pulls the rug a bit on that particular document, which in a way I'm fine with because there's a certain skeptic in the community that swore by it. Um, and he would always go back and nitpick using that document. So I quite like that we kind of have a little bit of, uh, you know, a question mark over that document. But it basically seems that the term official document could be seen in many different ways. Everyone took it to mean, oh, maybe ATIP wrote this. Maybe this is an official US government thing. And a number of people over the years, like Black Vault, have said, no, it's not. The format is not right. It's not, uh, you know, there's something wrong with this. Um, and it basically comes down to now that, People have figured out that it's a BAS document. 
which is a Bigelow aerospace document. And we know that Bigelow was involved with OSAP and kind of at the start of all this. So it seems that it was a document written by someone on staff there. Um, and that's pretty much where we are with it. Um, Dave, Dave Beatty has, and I don't think he needed to do this. Um, he, he publicly apologized for the Nimitz encounters because it also traded off that document and included a lot of those details. But what I would say with Dave is that he did the lab work and he went and spoke to people who were there, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite as, oh, well, we can't refer to that anymore now. You know, he, he did a great job with that and it's still on the evidence table again. You know, it's it's a way of informing people about the story. Um, but I just think it's taken a few people by surprise that the document may not be as, I'm doing bunny ears, legit as they thought. And, and this is, for me, potentially going back to the scenario of with any piece of evidence or document or article or story, if if one small piece of it becomes or gets called into question, it seems to just crumble the whole thing. For And is that, do you think here yeah, that's what is in danger of happening when in a case of it's just actually one small part of it's a little bit wrong or incorrect or just been misinterpreted? Yeah, I think so. It's possible that that phrase official documentation was used to kind of play up its import. Um, And it it became a really central piece of evidence for some people. But for me, that one document has not been all that this rides on. You know, we we have Dave Fravor giving interviews. We have Alex giving interviews. We have Chad Underwood giving interviews now. Those details are there for us to hear from the people who were there. We don't need a piece of paper in between us anymore. Yeah, interesting one though, and like you say, it was it was good of Dave Beatty to to come out and say what he said, but probably unnecessary given we don't know one hundred percent yet that that affects the validity of anything else within the documents and whatnot. So it's not as if it that the the event didn't happen. You know, that's it. One comment doesn't make or break the whole case. So, yeah. But where we're at right now, in a bit of a lull in terms of huge major news or developments, then that's where we're at. People are going to pick up on this stuff, aren't they? And that's where hopefully pods like this help people kind of break down and digest the news, which we keep hearing is helping folks out there and it helps us do it as well. Dan, before we finish up, is there anything you want to, to bring up or discuss in terms of news? Well, just just on that, you know, the the Underwood interview. I'm just going to touch on this. Someone on Twitter uh, called Alpha Check, Alpha underscore Check, if you want to go follow them, I'd recommend you do. They know the inside of plane systems pretty well, and they've made some very tactical videos going over basically why this is a remarkable event and kind of what the pilots would have seen from inside the cockpit and so on and so forth. Um, I'd really, really recommend you check out their YouTube channel. Um, but they basically listened to the interview, and as someone who I see as an expert, I kind of went to him afterwards. Um, and he'd posted kind of a little summary. So I just I just wanted to go through that summary here. Um, so he says, one, Underwood, and let's be specific here. Underwood is the person who filmed the Tic Tac video that people have seen so much. So Underfoot, Underwood confirms that the target was acquired on FLIR, which was slave to his radar. He wasn't just wangling the FLIR about and pick something up, like some people have said. He saw it on radar, he went to it, and the FLIR picked her up because of the slave. Um, He reports he wasn't interviewed or contacted for the executive summary, that's what we've just been talking about, um, in which he was quoted as saying there was no jamming indication. So again, certain people have kind of questioned that jamming 
uh, bit of testimony, but we've heard it mm-hmm. from many, many different places now. Uh, Underwood confirms he was vectored to the object by Princeton. This confirms that Spy One was not glitching. They were con- the contact was confirmed on multiple radars. So glitch thing out the window. Um, the object was on his essay. That's a situational awareness screen um, from off-board sensors as well as his own. So it's worth knowing here that all of the the kind of ships and planes in the fleet all feed into one system so they can all see what each other sees and it enables things like firing over the horizon where they can't see and things like that. Um, all of those different systems were picking it up and feeding it into that main system. Uh, this 100% removes possibility of friendly aircraft. <clears throat> He confirms that uh, there was a jamming indication. So basically, that's three sources now that have talked about the jamming. Um, The airspace at the cap point, unlike some people have speculated, um, it was vacant of friendly or commercial aircraft. So it wasn't a friendly F-18 that just had its transponder off. Uh, He was able to identify all the aircraft in the wider battle space. So there was no one missing to be over there where they shouldn't have been, where they could have been filmed and, you know, look like a Tic Tac, wasn't the case. Princeton had continuous track of the object until intercept. So, oh, well, I'll read the next bit. Uh, The context, the object's disappearance was corroborated by the Princeton and E2 Hawkeye, um, and they fed back to um, Underwood after he lost it off his screen that their radars were clean. So this thing did just disappear. Um, Underwood also says that at the end of the video, he aggressively maneuvered his aircraft to reacquire the object. And when he saw it gone, and the Princeton and the Hawkeye team said it was not on their radar, that's when he was a bit freaked out about it. Overall, do you think we've we've heard the last of this incident? Has everything come out that's going to come out no, because he specified there's more video <laughs> of the radar screen. <laughs> are we are we going to see that? Probably not, because it's the kind of thing that would be classified, but it's exactly the kind of data that we really want, right? Well, let me ask you this, Dan. You have the option to choose to release to the UFO Twitter community or UFO community, whoever it may be, okay? Um, more information on the the Nimitz Princeton Tic Tac event, whether that be corroborating radar data, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. or you can hear about a new event. What would you rather? That's a good question. Again, I want both, but I know you won't let me choose that. Yeah, um, I'm going to go for the first one, just just because there's been. And to be clear, that is picking more data for the Nimitz encounter with the Tic Tac. Yeah. P- purely because there's been so much nitpicking over it that I, I feel like it's a really purified case. Um, you know, we we know we have multiple sensors. We just don't have the data. And from all the eyewitness accounts, you know, even with Kevin over the few days, kind of seeing the objects fall like snow, I believe he said, um, on the radar. Um it would be great to kind of get the 3D kind of picture of the battle space and be able to see that erratic movement from all those different sensors. I think something like that would change the game because then there's no nitpicking that can be done. We're just seeing what they saw. 
Awesome. Dan, good talk. Listen, folks, coming up, we have this episode releasing today, which is uh, Wednesday, the 4th of August. We are going to record uh, a special What If. This one's been in the pipe work for a couple of weeks now, and we got uh, Patreon comments a while back on What If... dot dot dot. Not a Marvel ripoff either. Like, I, I didn't know that was a thing and thought of that months ago, and then Marvel have come out with it. So Marvel ripped me off. Um, I... Uh, wanted to do a day after disclosure chat and just it's going to be myself and dan talking through our own but also your comments on what's going to change the day after we find out you know whether whether it's the the ufo on the white house lawn the government's coming out holding hands to tell us all what's been going on or whether it's just a huge ufo in the sky in broad daylight you know what changes in the world and we've got a lot of interesting points to bring up on that that will go available early access and ad free on patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. And it will go on to Apple podcast subscriptions. You sign up for the two week free trial. And then if you want to keep it on, you pay. It's a couple of dollars, a couple of pounds, a couple of euros, whichever your currency may be for early access and ad free bonus content on there too. So please, if you can support the podcast, if not, the episodes do come out within a few days or a week or so of each other anyway. So thank you very much. We do appreciate that as well as that we've got the interview with mark and tyler from the upcoming virtual conference with lou chris smellen and co and we'll be putting your questions to them as well so send us those over and we have some other guests coming up i will announce in the coming days remember keep an eye out online later on for the listener call-in shows you can book in over the next few days for those slots and that will be getting released sometime next week usually those are in two parts as well just due to the number of callers we get and if you're listening to this thinking i'd love to call up but i'm not sure i'm a little nervy or i don't think my comments will be worthy of it please do call up speak to us it might be myself it might be myself and dan might be myself and another just depends who we can get on at that time but it's always good to talk to you so we really would want to hear from you dan good speaking to you yeah that was great thank you it's nice to digest everything that's gone on in the past you know two weeks or so absolutely and we didn't even talk too much about all the twitter fighting no we didn't we should no we won't right folks anyway thanks for listening that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access the shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue.
jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. I helped out my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should seek therapy. And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! 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 Ah! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to Progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.